Bishop Del Bronner is the pastor of Word of Faith Family Worship Cathedral, located in Atlanta, Georgia, the founder of CAP, a pastoring mentorship program, and longtime friend of Pastor Ricky Temple. Many regard Bishop Bronner as a leader's leader, as an accomplished author and minister whose messages reach millions daily through his international multimedia broadcast. He is a sought-after conference speaker and leadership trainer, spreading the gospel of Christ throughout the world. Bishop Bronner's mission is to reach the lost and teach the found. His passion is to know Christ and to make him known as well as to bring maturity to the body of Christ. Overcoming by Faith, welcome home, Bishop Del Bronner. Wow. It's so great to be with you tonight, and I just congratulate you and celebrate you on 40 incredible years. I just celebrated my 40th year in ministry. Uh, Pastor Rick, by the way, is older than I am. <laughs> he just uses a stronger dye. <laughs> Mine is all natural. But I do celebrate them. He's been an incredible gift to us uh, in Atlanta. Thank you for sharing your pastor with us to bless us and to enrich our lives. And, uh, and I'm just thrilled about the impact that he's making in the lives of people uh, around the world in building in the lives of ministers. What an incredible, incredible joy. But I do want you to know that I didn't come to be long tonight. I'm going to be just like a miniskirt, short enough to be interesting but long enough to cover the subject matter. Oh, it's going to be tight, but it's going to be right. I'm going to tell you just like Elizabeth Taylor told her last eight husbands, I won't be keeping you long. There are so many incredible things that are bouncing around in my spirit to share with you tonight. But you know, I feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony. I don't exactly know where to stick in. But I'm glad that you're here. I am so incredibly glad that you're here. God is awesome. He's a faithful God. And, uh, and I just celebrate you for hanging in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, being salt and light here in Savannah and in all of the places that God gives you influence around the world. I do want you to know it's not the length of the word, it's the strength of the word that matters. And uh, so we're, we're certainly not going to be here all night. I just want to uh, read a, a verse from Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 and 6 that says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be, or your seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He accounted him to righteousness. And I want to encourage you to dream an impossible dream, something that is impossible for you to do but is very possible with God. And it is good to know that all is well in the end. And if all is not well, it's not the end. God's working on something in your life. And, and, and listen, uh, the, the whole message is, is to come up from here. He's been good for the 40 years to overcoming by faith. But now it's time to dream another dream. You're in a new season of life now. The season has changed. We're in a time now of different 
changes, shifts uh, that, that are sociological changes, technological changes, economic changes, environmental changes, political changes. We're in a world of vast change. It's time to dream another dream. And God took Abraham out and said, look up, there are times that out of the morass of everything that, that's going on in your world, that God will say, I want you to lift up your head and look from the place where you are. Get up above people, trifling people, gossiping people, Folks that borrow money and won't pay it back. <laughs> Lift up your head above people, people. Get above people and dream another dream. I just want you to understand how big God is. God is so incredibly massive that he wanted to stretch something in Father Abraham, the father of our faith. You know, this is a faith church overcoming by, by faith. This is a faith church. God said, I want you to look up and get a vision of something that's bigger than where you are. Something that intimidates you. Because if your dream doesn't intimidate you, it's not big enough. If you've got a dream and you say, yeah, I can handle that, your dream is not big enough. Your dream ought to make you shake in your boots. Every time that I dream a big dream, I go trusting and trembling. Trusting and trembling. Just to be honest with you, I'm trusting and trembling all at the same time. Because God has said, lift up your heads, lift up your heads, lift up your heads, lift up your head. I want you to see something. And just to get an idea, I'm, I'm a math guy. I loved math when I was in school. I did trigonometry as a hobby. It, it was a, my, the teachers, I, I just bumped into some of my high school teachers. They, they were there and they were sharing the stories that they used to use my paper as the key to grade the rest of the papers. I found errors in the back of the book, in the answer key. And so I understand numbers really well. My mother's an accountant. And, uh, and so I understand the numbers game. Scientists say, when God says, Abraham, look up, there are 10 sextillion stars, scientists estimate, in the heavens. 10 sextillion stars. Now, I know that's a massive, numerous, uh, just number. It's, it's, it's huge. When Abraham looked up and tried to count the stars, God says, look up, you see those stars, count them. And you know that you couldn't count them. I mean, by the time he got to 11, he was confused. And he said, I want you to try to count them. And then he says, so shall your seed be. This is the way your descendants are going to be, the same way. In the same way that they are innumerable and incalculable, that's the way your seed is going to be. Uh, scientists say that there are 10 sextillion stars. Now, to give you an idea of how massive of a number that is, uh, that is 1,000 to the seventh power. It's a one followed by 21 zeros. You know what a million is? A thousand million is a billion. A thousand billion is a trillion. A thousand trillion, quadrillion. A thousand quadrillion is a quintillion. And a thousand quintillion is a sextillion. So there are 10 sextillion stars in the heavens. The same uh, scientists that tell us that there are approximately 10 sextillion stars in the heaven also says that there are five sextillion grains of sand on the shore, on the earth. Because God said, he showed them the, the, the stars first, and then he said, look down on the ground. Count the grains of sand on the sea, and if you can do it, so shall your seed be. Isn't it amazing that there's twice as much, even scientists confirm that there are twice as many stars in the heaven as there are grains of sand on the earth. Because uh, heaven gives us the voice of double enunciation. He shows you something in the heaven and confirms it in the earth. But what's there is greater than what's here. Yeah. 
And that's why we pray, that's why we praise, that's why we worship to get more of heaven to earth, and the more of heaven that we get to earth, the more earth we can get to heaven. It's the way that it works. And here's the deal, is that when you look up, because there's a lot of depressing stuff down here to get you down. I mean, when you start looking at, you know, how much you have left when you bring your check home. I had one man to tell me, he said, I'm paid weekly, very weekly. Because you don't bring home gross money, you bring home net money. Net, that's, that's, that's what you have after they've taken out your federal taxes, your Social Security tax, your Medicare tax, your state tax. They've, they've taken all of the stuff, and now you get net money that's still owed out to rent and mortgage and, and car note and insurance and phone bill and gas bill. And there's enough stuff down here to get you all stressed out and depressed. And that's why God says, look up. And I want you to see that I'm able to do something and put 10 sextillion stars up here. Is anything too hard for me? If I'm able to do something on this magnitude, what else can I do in your life? My God, I'm able. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly and above anything that you can ask or think. And when you look up, when you look up, a good look up is a good hookup. It really is. There's something about being able to just look up because we're in a depressed situation. I mean, we got a generation that's on the scene right now. They smoke till they choke. They shoot till they, and, 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 uh, you know, and they, they, they do all kinds of crazy things, crazy things. They drink till they stink. They root and they toot. They cut and they shoot. No wonder they're not sound up from the ground up. And many of them need a, a checkup from the neck up. And some of them are blown up before they're grown up. But it's a new day. It is a new day. It is a new day. When God tells us, like he told Abraham, brought him outside, he brought him out of the normal environment of his comfort zone. He brought him out of his comfort zone and said, look up. Isn't it amazing sometimes that God will bring you out of a difficult place? It's easier to get out of a bad place into a good place than it is to get from a good place into a better place. You know why? Because of the comfort zone. Because if you get to a place where you're really comfortable, you don't want to do anything else. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And God brought Abraham out so he could drop something in. He brought him out so he could drop something in. He took him outside and said, look up. And while he's looking up, he catches something. He catches something from God. The three ideas that I want you to catch. There's something to catch. There's something to carry. And then there's something to convey. Abraham caught a dream from God. He carried that dream for 25 years because sometimes what looks like success overnight actually happened over time. And there are some things that have matured in this ministry. It didn't happen overnight. It has happened over, over time, over time. You, you catch a dream. You catch a vision. You catch an idea, and then you carry it. You carry it. A woman catches a seed from a man, and then she carries it for nine months. Then she conveys it. It is a process of God that you catch something, carry it, and then convey it. Mary caught something, carried it, and conveyed it. Jesus caught something, carried it, and conveyed it. He breathed on his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He caught it, he carried it, he conveyed it. And it's a continual process of what we do in our lives. We catch, we carry, we convey. We catch, we carry, and we convey. Say that with me. Catch. Carry, convey. Don't just catch it. Wouldn't it be ignorant if a football player catches a ball and doesn't carry it? What good is it to catch a ball if somebody passes a ball in basketball and you never, you never carry it? 
And then you have to convey it. You catch, you carry, you convey. What God allows you to catch is designed to be carried until it can go through uh, this, this process, this maturation process, this, this process of, of where you are carrying it like a woman who's pregnant that will give birth to this thing and it will bring life to you. You see, this is why there is a, is a divine expectancy in us. Uh, Psalm 27 said that I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That was about expectancy, expected. Expectancy, say expectancy. Now slow it down. Expect and see. When you have really divine expectancy, when you have caught something from God, when you've caught something from God, you carry it. It's an expectancy. The great thing about expectancy is that expectancy always causes preparation. You don't get what you want in life, you get what you prepare for. Expectancy means preparation. If you know you're expecting a baby, you don't wait till the, ba- till the water is breaking before you start getting the baby room ready and a baby carriage ready and a car seat ready. Uh, the expectancy causes preparation. You show what you're waiting on by showing what you're working on. It's all about expectancy because I'm believing that something greater is coming. If you believe that something greater is coming, you start preparing for it ahead of time. You start preparing for it ahead of time. It's interesting. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. And then he said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. It is interesting that we have two words that suggest our waiting time. One is patience, the other one is endurance. Now here's the difference. Endurance always deals with difficult circumstances. You have to endure hard times. Patience is always with difficult people. You have to have patience with difficult people, but you have endurance with difficult situations and circumstances. And and listen, how you are with people shows where you are with God. How you are with people shows where you are with God. There's something that God wants to bring you out of your normal environment and out of the of the comfort zone of where you are and in your gestational period where you're carrying something, he wants to hook you up with something that allows you to stretch because pregnancy always stretches you. It stretches you. It stretches you. You get overdue. I mean, women, all kind of stuff happens. Their feet get bigger. The twin towers enlarge. I got this from Pastor Rick. He, he, is, a, he is a mess when he comes to my church. They, I have to make sure that he's had his medication before he comes. <laughs> but things enlarge. A woman's nose can spread. That means her discernment is increased. Whenever you're pregnant, there's some things that expand in you. And one of the things, once you get expanded, once you get expanded, there are certain things that never go fully back the way they were. Some of the ladies understand what I'm talking about. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But when you begin to see that God wants to take us into an experience that is bigger than where we are and who we are, he gives us something beyond where, where we have been. He, he gives us something that stretches us, saying, look up, look up, because he wants you to catch something bigger than what we've been living. Catch it, catch it, and then you carry it. You carry it for a while. You, you mull about it. You, 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 you meditate on it. 
you start working on it and then you convey it. You birth this thing out. You then show it because whatever has been working in the darkness is eventually coming into the light and you're going to start seeing something. You catch it, you carry it, and then you convey it. You catch it, you carry it, and you convey it. It is a constant process of God in our lives to catch something, carry it, and then convey that thing. And isn't it amazing that every time that you've got a God dream, something will always come in your life to frustrate you. I mean, I'll tell you what the word frustrate means from the, in the original Latin. It, it, it's, it, it's actually the word frustrare, and it literally means to deceive. Whenever you get frustrated, it's the devil trying to deceive you and make you think that what God has told you is never going to come to pass. So when you get frustrated, you can't think clearly. And this is why people, when they're boxing, they talk trash to frustrate their opponent. This is why people in athletic competition, they talk trash to their opponent to frustrate them because you can't think clearly whenever you're frustrated. And listen, if you ever see two people arguing, and if you want to know which one is right and which one is wrong, look at the one who's more angry. The more angry person is always wrong. You know why? Because anger clouds your judgment. Anger contaminates your reasoning capacity. Anger is unreasonable, and you cannot reason with an unreasonable person. You cannot make peace with a man who has war in his heart. And so when you get angry people, they say stupid stuff because there's a disconnect from your intelligence and there's a connect with your emotions. And you say what you feel, but here's the deal. Feelings are not facts. And so when you get angry, and so every dream will carry with it the potential of frustration. So look for it, expect it, prepare yourself for it, brace yourself for it, because you realize that when circumstances and situations start coming, to say that your dream is not going to come to pass, you realize this is nothing but frustration. This is a deception to make me think that what God has told me in my life is not going to come to pass. It is trying to remind you, it's trying to tell you that delay is denial. And you get deceived in the frustration. I mean, you can be driving down the road and a little gnat can fly in your car. And, and that, you, you, you're, you're fanning at a gnat, something so tiny that's about to make us kill ourselves. We drive in an automobile. And isn't it crazy that we will focus on something so little? That's what frustration does. The little things, they're the little foxes that spoil the vine. The little foxes. It's amazing. My, 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 my granddaughter was, was in, the, in the room one day a few months ago. She was in the room coloring, and she didn't have a one little coloring, uh, one little crayon. We, it was just something to keep her busy. And she pressed too hard, and she broke the crayon. And I saw that she was frustrated because she began to cry. She started crying. She calls me G-Daddy, so G-Daddy gets up and comes over to her so that I can help change her frustration by changing her perspective. And, and, and I say to her, I said, you see, your, your crayon is broken. Yes, it's broken. I said, now you have two pieces, and you can give one to your cousin now, and she can color. I said, now you have something to share. I was really teaching her a spiritual principle that you don't have anything to share until you've been broken. Right. 
Because when you dream, you need to dream in living color. But here is the problem that while you are dreaming, 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 dreaming in, in living color, sometimes your crayon breaks. And what do you do when you are dreaming in vivid color and you're broke? Because the only thing that's stopping most people's dream from becoming a reality is money. And what do you do if you're broke? And here she was broke. And I had told her, I said, you have nothing to share until you're broken. And she was still crying. And this is what I said to her next. It's like God just brought these words up in my spirit. And they came out of my mouth. And I said these words to her. I said, honey, broken crayons still color. Broken crayons still color. Broken crayons still color. And you go through some experiences in life that will break you and and you'll run out of money and you're frustrated and you have to realize at a time like that that broken crayons steal color. When I let her know that broken crayons steal color, I actually took a broken piece of it and showed her that this thing has just as much efficacy in it. It's got just as much richness of the nuances of color. And look at the hues. It's still just as colorful as when it was a whole piece. It has not lost any of its color. When you are gifted of God with the richness of what God has put in you, even when you're broken, you still have the color. You can still make a beautiful picture. Even though the marriage broke, even though the relationship broke, even though the finances broke, you can still make a beautiful picture because broken crayons steal color. If you don't let yourself get frustrated and maintain the right perspective in the midst of it all, you realize broken crayons steal color. God, God specializes in using broken people, broken people, broken people with shattered dreams, broken folks that have lost their, that they've broken their hymen and lost their virginity. They have broken their word. They've broken relationships. They've broken their dreams and their ideals. But broken crayons still color. And when God built you here to color, don't you realize that when God called you, that he had also calculated in you everything that you would ever do in the future. He knew you through and through when he called you. And he called you anyhow. He knew who you were when he saved you, but he saved you anyhow. He knew your flaws. He knew your inconsistencies. He knew your, the vacillation that you would have back and forth. He knew you, and he called you anyhow. But broken crayons still color. You can be messed up, but you're still gifted. You can still put things together. You can still create. You can still design. You can still assimilate and organize things. Broken crayons still color. It is something that God loves to do. He's a master builder and he's a master potter and he loves to be able to take broken pieces and still let a beautiful picture be created at the end of the day. And I get so excited about it because sometimes the Bible talks about how Jesus comes in the volume of the book. And it's not always about uh, just the story that you read about this person and that person. No, no, no. This, this, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And that Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible talked about it in Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. The Bible said that he explained to them 
himself in the scriptures beginning at Moses. And you know Moses wrote Genesis. And so he's, he's telling us that this thing didn't just start with me when I'm showing up on the scene. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And he began to show them the picture that had been broken down through history. He, he goes back and, and he begins to expound upon the, through them his, himself, giving them the picture of where he was even in the Old Testament. And you know, I really believe that Jesus, as he was explaining this to them in Luke chapter 24, I believe that he had to take them all the way back to Moses. Because you know, I fell in love with God as a young, young teenager. first heard the voice of the Lord when I was seven years old. And it was amazing growing up in the house of a businessman. But I, I, I found out you don't have to choose between God and money. You only have to choose which one you're going to serve. And I made up my mind a long time ago, we're going to serve the Lord. And so I fell in love with him. And from the time I was seven years old, I, I started devouring my, my Bible. All, I had five other brothers. My brothers out in the street, they were doing the, the kind of stuff that children do. But my walk was, was different. You know, when your call is different, your consecration is different. And I couldn't do what they were doing. And I had to fall in love with him and get a revelation of him through his word. And I, I, I devoured, I, I immersed myself as a, as a, as a seven-year-old in, in the word. And it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm doing today some things that God showed me when I was a teenager. When I'd wake up in the morning and pray in the spirit for an hour before I went to school every day. And it's amazing. My, I started my ministry in my parents' home in 1976. We'd have 75 people crowding into our living room and dining room. And I taught the Bible. I've taught it every single week without fail since 1976. And I'm having the time of my life. It's been a, a, just an incredible joy. And that's why I salute and commend you. But it's because, not because of who I am, it's because of who he is. It's because I got a revelation of him and saw him who came in the volume of the book. I mean, because if I really had to tell you, I would tell you that in Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's a pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's a trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's a faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's a rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, he's our Mordecai. In Job, he's our day spring on high and our ever-living redeemer, for I know that my redeemer liveth. In Psalms, he's the Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want to, makes me to lie down in green pastures. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he's the lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentation, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful peace man and a wheel in the middle of a wheel. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the burning, fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's a faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's a baptizer with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's a mighty to save. In Jonah, he's a great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's a messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. 
In Habakkuk, he's God's evangelist crying, revive thy works in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he's a savior. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's a fountain opened up in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And in Malachi, he's a son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Who is this king of glory? You lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, he's a wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. And in John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's our justifier. In 1 and 2 Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's a Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's our God who shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. In 1 and 2 Timothy, he's our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's a faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the great physician. In 1 and 2 Peter, he's our soon coming shepherd who shall appear with a crown of unfading glory. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he's love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. And in Revelation, he's King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is this King of glory? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up in, in everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. He's the Lord strong in battle. The Lord mighty in battle. My grandmother would tell you that he's a bridge over troubled water. Bread in a land, water in a, in a dry place. He's a doctor in a sick room. He's El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. He's Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Makedish, the Lord that sanctifies me. He's Jehovah Rohi, the Lord that heals me. He's Abel's sacrifice. He's Noah's rainbow. He's Abraham's ram in the thickets. He's Isaac's well. He's Jacob's ladder. He's Judah's scepter. He's Moses' rod. He's Elijah's mantle. He's Elisha's staff. He's Gideon's fleece. He's Samuel's horn of oil. He's David's slingshot. He's Isaiah's figs. He's Zechariah's He's Peter's shadow. He's Paul's handkerchief and apron. He's Stephen's wonders. He is John, white city. He is the king of glory. God bless you. I love you. I want you to keep on going. Come on. I was bringing him a microphone. this king of glory who is this king of glory come on who is this king of glory Jesus come on come on give him some praise come on come on give him some praise come on give him some praise Father, we lift our hearts today to hear a word. We hear a word. We hear you talking to us. We hear you, Jesus. We hear you talking to us. You show what you're working on by what you're... You show what you're waiting on by what you're working on. You don't have anything to share until you're broken. Broken crayon still color. Praise God. Almighty. 
You don't have to choose between God and money, but you do have to choose who you're going to serve. Lift those hands up. Father, during this weekend, there are people here who need to come home. Home to God. Home to the calling of God. And may this be the moment that they say, Jesus, be Lord of my life again. Again. I've gotten away from you. I'm no longer serving you. I used to sing. I used to worship. But I've gotten away from you. I used to be engaged. But I've gotten away from you. This is the day I come home. With every hand, every head bowed, every eye closed, every hand down for just a moment. If you would say, and I'm not going to call you up front, I'm just going to ask you where you're standing. It could be your first time, it could be your second time. But if you want to come back home to God today, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pray for me, Pastor. I'm coming back home to God. Raise your hand. Just put your hand up. Don't be afraid. Say, yeah, that's me. Now give them a big hand, please. Give these folks a big hand. Come on, give these folks. Give these folks, come on, give these folks a big hand. Now I'm going to do one more thing, and I want you to hear me. Sometimes, just humor me for a second. I want you to, if you can stand, stand for a minute. I'm going to do one thing, and I'm going to let you go. Stand up one more time. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand. Tolerate this for a minute. You know, sometimes you can't lift your hand. You're too ashamed. I'm going to help you. Lift your neighbor's hand right now. Father, for all those who couldn't lift their hand on their own, we lift their hand for them. We help them say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm coming home tonight to serve you, to give you a chance to repair my brokenness because my broken crayon still can color in the name of Jesus. Now, would you give God a big hand like you got it? Come on, give God a big shout. Come on, give God a big shout.